0: going to look at one more question i'll read first peter three verse number 15 it says sanctify the lord god in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear the last few weeks we have been examining a number of different questions the point of which is to provide some simple answers and to be able to give us some kind of foundation for our witness when we're talking with people so let's have a word of prayer then we'll get into this father in the name of jesus we're grateful again for another opportunity to gather we're happy lord for all this wonderful food we were able to enjoy this evening and now as we turn our attention towards the spiritual food god give us ears to hear help me to speak clearly and we pray father god that your son would be edified and all of this make soul winners out of us in jesus name Amen, amen. Last week, we dealt extensively with the question, how do you lead someone to the Lord? And we told you about the ABCs of salvation. And then we spoke to you about the Roman road to redemption and how to take someone through the book of Romans, looking at Romans 3, verse 23, Romans 6, verse 23, then Romans 10. Well, the the question that is related to that is how do I get someone to a place in a discussion where they will ask how do I become a Christian or how to become a Christian because knowing how to share with someone Christianity is one thing but how do you even initiate the discussion you're dealing with family members that are hostile towards the gospel if you're dealing with people who are indifferent, they just don't care, they don't really seem to take the bait when you try to bring it up. There are a number of things that I think are important, and I want to work on it, uh, starting with Acts chapter uh, number 27. Acts chapter 27 gives us the story of a gentleman by the name of Agrippa, I believe, unless I have missed that chapter there. Excuse me, That's chapter 26. That's chapter 26. So, I'm going to give you several things to do, or several things that can be done. And the first of which is, if you're trying to get people to come to a point where they ask about Jesus and ask about becoming a Christian, then sometimes a a, a teaching or a sermon can do that. Whether it's a gift, CD, now somebody, you give a CD to somebody, they may say they're not going to listen to it, but you'd be surprised uh, they'll put it somewhere, and then later on they listen to it. I've, I've had people contact me or show up at at the house who maybe received a CD five years prior, and then just all of a sudden they just went digging around the house looking for that until they found it. And then they all of a sudden have all kind of questions about about God. In Acts chapter 26, Paul is giving his testimony to Agrippa, and. You'll notice in verse 14, he's going through the whole story of how he was saved. But it's in verse 27, after Agrippa has heard the story, he says to Agrippa, Do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. In verse 28, Agrippa said, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. So uh, uh, sometimes your testimony, sometimes a teaching can give people something to think about. And you don't ever want to underestimate the the power of a simple teaching. Whoever is giving it, if it's a good one and it blesses you, it very well could bless someone, someone else. And then your own testimony. Your testimony is powerful because it's a personal witness. If someone is listening to you explain how God helped you through a situation, that very well is going to be able to be a blessing to someone else because they're no different than you are. All of us need the grace of God. All of us need redemption. And the same power of conviction that came upon you can come upon somebody else if they hear the same information. But you have to give God the Holy Ghost an opportunity to do in them the same thing that was done in you. Uh, Something else that you can do to help initiate the discussion, if you have somebody who's not too hostile, invite them to a fellowship or to church or a Bible study. Uh, Someone can hear truth presented in a way that is different than how they heard it in the past, and it can bless them. There are a lot of people who have been raised in church but were turned off by the way church was done when they were growing up. They were turned off by the way the sermons came across. But then if you invite them and they hear another teaching by someone else, it will very well reach them and bring about growth to them. So if you want to initiate the discussion, sometimes a simple invitation to church, and then before you know it, you're sitting at the table. You're t- you're riding in a car, or sitting on the front porch or back porch, and then the discussion comes up about what was said, or what a parishioner said. Well, I heard somebody say this earlier in the Sunday school. Those things are are important. Here's another thing that helps initiate discussions in a person's life: supernatural events. Supernatural events. Let's go to Acts chapter eight. Acts chapter 8 Philip is in Samaria and he's preaching and let's let's look at this it says in verse number 9 there was a certain man called Simon who in former times in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria giving out that himself was some great one to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest saying this man is the great power of God. And to him they had regard because for a long time he bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. And Simon himself believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed, beholding the miracles, signs, and wonders that were done. So here was a man involved with witchcraft. He obviously was a sinner, but suddenly there were supernatural things that began to take place in his midst, and that grabbed his attention. And as the scripture says, he believed also. He, he didn't understand everything that was going on because later on he wanted to, to try to purchase the power of God with money. But what, what I'm getting at is in people's, in people's lives, sometimes unexpected events occur that cause them to begin to think about whether or not God is actually real. And when those things occur, when those circumstances occur, you've got to be ready with an answer. And and you've got to pay attention to what people are saying. If you're having a conversation with someone and they say uh, to you, you know, the strangest thing happened to me the other day, and then they start describing something that shows you that, that they're reaching out, you know, be sensitive to that. Because they they very well could be sounding you out to see what kind of answer you're you're going to to give. So unexpected events or unexpected providences of God, uh, supernatural supply, a blessing comes to them and they can't understand how it happened. I've, I've met a lot of people who who didn't even know God, certainly weren't Christian, but in uh, in in despair, prayed some kind of prayer. You know, God just kids are hungry and eat some food somebody shows up with a bag of groceries then all of a sudden you got an opportunity to begin to talk with them about God because the Lord has really grabbed their heart another thing that can can happen with these supernatural events you'd be surprised how many people have dreams that that stay with them that trouble them that that disturb them and if you can ever get some people to really open up They'll tell you about dreams they had 20 years ago, and they can still remember every detail of it. They don't understand it, but they can tell you all about it. And if you have some, some uh, idea of scripture, then you can sometimes let them know that God has a lot of different ways of talking to you, and that very well could be, could be one of them. Uh, when, when, you, when you go to sleep at night, God can communicate a lot in a dream or in a vision. So these things are, are are occasional, I'll say it that way. They don't happen all the time, but, but they are occasional and you want to be ready when they do occur. If you're sitting with someone and, you know, they, they come out and they say something like, you know, I had a dream that I saw one of my kids in a coffin. I just don't know what to make of that, you see. Then that gives you an opportunity to begin to explain in a very simple way that uh, sometimes God can give a person foresight of trouble that very well may be coming. And there could be a calamity or tragedy, but there is something you can do, and that, that very well could be praying. So that's an opportunity to lead somebody to the Lord to get them in a condition spiritually where their prayers can be heard. I, I am surprised at people who see things and, and, and may not even know God. I remember the story of Jesus when he was about to be crucified. And the, the, the scripture says that Pilate sat down on the judgment seat. And his wife ran in there and said to him, look, you need to leave this man alone. I've suffered many things in a dream because of him. Now, this was a pagan woman. She, she didn't even know the Lord at all. And then um, we, we, we don't want to uh, diminish God's ability to speak to people uh, in, in their sins. That's how he spoke to us. He brought us out of sin through some kind of a supernatural event. Yours may not have been really dynamic, but somehow or another, God gripped your heart. God brought conviction to you. Your Christian life is a, is a very powerful thing. And if you think about the steps of your life from, the, from your earliest remembrances to the point where you really came to have a genuine relationship with the Lord to this point in your life. Now, you'll be able to see the hand of God upon you, leading you, keeping you, protecting you, preserving you in different seasons of your life when you were making one blunder after another. Yeah. One error after another. Those those things are very powerful and they're they're, they're always good. Uh, I'd like to tell the kids when whenever I'm the baccalaureate speaker for the seniors, uh, I love to tell them that I can predict your future if you're going to be a person who is a heavy drinker if you're going to be a person who gets involved with drugs i said i can predict your future right now and then i start listing all these things i'm sure is going to happen because i've seen it happen in so many other people's lives but i said you you can make a liar out of me by just choosing christ see, and just have a path that goes a totally different direction but it's not difficult at all to predict the the uh, circumstances and the future life of sinners when they won't serve God because they're I don't want to say they're asking for trouble but they're destined for trouble see if you don't do what God wants you to do uh, here's a here's a third one here in initiating these discussions these discussions sometimes trouble will get people to thinking about God let's go to acts chapter sixteen trouble now this I can tell you as a pastor, this one works very well. And you don't have to create the trouble. You just let the devil's going to be the devil. But Acts chapter 16, here's a jailer. And verse 25, at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises to God, and the prisoners heard them. Verse 26, suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bands were loosed. The keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep, seeing the prison doors open, drew out his sword and would have killed himself. So he wanted to commit suicide because all these prisoners were going to get loose. And he didn't want to have to deal with the authorities who were likely going to put him to death. But verse 28, Paul says, do not harm yourself. We're all here. Then he called for a light. He came in and came trembling, fell down before Paul and Silas and and, and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now that's the jailer. Now He didn't go to work for that shift thinking about how to become a Christian. But instability, the great earthquake is what led him to begin to think about God. And the reason he asked Paul and Silas is because he knew they were Christian. They were singing songs about God. So that the life that you live, even though people may not, converse with you about your faith they may not ask you about church they might ask you about your testimony given the right circumstances they'll ask you in a hurry yeah they'll ask you in a hurry and that's usually how it happens people start asking you questions about god at a moment where you're typically not prepared you know any other time you've got your verses memorized and if they ask this i'm gonna do this i'm gonna say this and then all of a sudden you're in a grocery store and you're walking down the aisle pushing The carton, then somebody comes up behind and says, my life is a mess. I'm 50 years old and everything's falling apart. How can I get to know God? And then you're trying to figure out what to say. Okay. In the grocery store. Uh, Trouble. Gives people an opportunity. To talk about God. Yeah. It happens in sickness. It happens in divorce. It happens during. Times where uh loss of finances, just some kind of just anything that disturbs a person sometimes causes them to run into the arms of God. now there are people who, when they go through trouble, their heart becomes even harder. they get angry at God, and I've met a lot of people who got angry with God who didn't even want a relationship with God before they were mad, but now all of a sudden it's God's fault that all of this is happening. And they say, well, I can't understand why, why this is going on. Well, I don't usually offer any answers because I don't have any other than to simply say, if you have any problems, it's best to look up. He, he's the one that can help you now. See, He's the one that can provide the answer. So these kinds of situations are, are, are very helpful. So if I get a phone call or a note and someone uh, says, Pastor, can I meet with you privately about something? and they're not Christian and not members of any church or anything like that, then I already understand these folks are probably going to want some counsel about something. So you've got to keep your ears open for that. As a Christian, as a frequent church attendee, as a lover of the Lord, when people start asking you questions, be bold. Be bold. They'll never know what you believe if you don't share it. If you do share it, then... Later on, they'll be the ones returning to you, asking you questions. I told you the story about Daniel, how that when Daniel was just a young man there in the kingdom of Babylon, he, he was a man that was different than everybody else. He, he lived a holy life, a separate life. He wasn't like the people that were bowing down to idols and images. And I'm sure he was not the kind of a person anybody invited to all the different parties. But when the fingers of a man's hand appeared to the king and they couldn't figure out what the writing on the wall meant, then they looked for that man that had a relationship with God by the name of Daniel. So I've always told you that they, people, people may mock you and slander you and may not like you on the job or may not treat you the way they treat some other people and you may not feel like you're part of the in club, but, but when trouble comes to their life, they'll look for you. Yeah, they'll look for you. I've had a lot of people in, in my life who did not believe in supernatural things, who just thought God's no longer involved with helping people, miracles I mean all that stuff is a is a farce, and you folks shouldn't believe that God does any of that until that doctor looks at them and says that eight-year-old has terminal cancer, see, and then they're calling everybody to pray, see but why call if you don't believe in prayer, but if I'm in trouble, I'm calling all of you who do believe in prayer. I'm saying, look, I'm in trouble. My wife's in trouble. We need help. And we're not calling everybody because we don't believe. We're calling everybody because we expect everybody to pray just like we're going to pray. Please ask God to intervene. And Don't be ashamed about that. Yeah. Expect great things from God. Okay, here's something else that will initiate discussion with Christians. Changes in a person's behavior. When a person becomes a Christian and there's just this radical shift in how they've been acting, that will get people to wondering what is going on. Mark chapter 5 tells the story of a man possessed of the devil. It says he lived in the cemetery. He would cut himself with, with rocks. But when he was healed by the Lord, it said the whole town came out to see this man sitting there clothed because he was running around naked in, the, in the, amongst the tombstone, but now he's sitting there clothed and in his right mind. When a person's behavior changes, the, the man or woman that you know spent year after year, every night in the saloon as often as they could, didn't even want to go home, just sat there until they were sloppy drunk, and they had to close the door and tell him or her to go home. When that person suddenly does a 180, And it's a change in their life. Then people start asking, well, what what in the world happened to him or to her? That initiates discussion. And even if it's not somebody that you knew or if it is somebody you knew, the moment it comes up and people start talking about it, that's an opportunity to witness. That's what happens when Jesus comes into a person's life and changes them, transforms them. The Lord can put them in an altogether different uh, lifestyle pattern. Some of the meanest people on the planet have become Christian and became some of the sweetest people. And I've heard some people who've been Christian for a long time say to me, Pastor, you would not have wanted to know me before I was Christian. I was very, very bad, very mean. My language was terrible. Now, having known some people as I've known them, I would never even think that could even be possible because I've only known the Christian side of them. But there's all this stuff back there. It's under the blood. And, and now that since they've made that change, it, it has worked out in their favor. And other people in the family in France have come to know the Lord. So a, a radical change in a person's behavior. Now, that's what happened in our family. I was the first one in my immediate family to genuinely become a, a, a lover of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and I was absolutely uh, a fanatic. I just I didn't know any better. And when I when I got saved, chasing after that little girl in junior high school, and um, then my, my family thought I pretty much lost my mind. And I had, you know, I had, because I, all I had known was Grandma's Baptist Church. I'd gone there with her a few times, but with this little girl, she was from a holiness church, and it was a Pentecostal church, and, and so, you know, the Baptist Church, you'd have some drums, and you'd have an organ, you had to have an organ, and, and, and then the preacher would get up and preach. And, and then he'd get to the end. And in his sermon, he'd start singing and preaching in his sermon. And all the, the older ladies, the mothers in the church, they always had them big hats that were like two feet tall. And he had to lean over to the side to see what's going on up in the pulpit. And, and all the ladies in church would go to rocking back and forth as the preacher was finishing up his sermon. And then the ladies would get up and then they'd just start falling out all over the altar. And then the men and the ladies would come and put a towel over their, their legs and all of that stuff i was in the baptist church well i went i went to this this other church with uh chasing after this little girl because i wanted to get to know her and we got into this little church i don't think it was even a third of what what this here is and i thought when we came in that door i'm gonna grab her by the hand sit on that back pew put my arm around her and sweet talk her that's what i thought you know, i wasn't a church god didn't even understand she, she, she did grab my hand. I was happy. She walked me down the center aisle and put me right there on that front pew in front of the preacher. And, and that preacher, I don't care what his notes were that morning, he changed them when he saw me, I'm sure. And he, <laughs> he, he looked at me. And he said, there's a sinner on the line today, and we're going to draw him in. So he, he, he got the service going, testimony services started going. Now, I described to you Grandma's Baptist Church, but I'd never been in church service like this one. Uh... The, they, they had the organ, they had the piano, they had the guitar, the drums, and the bass player. They had a full band up there, and they started a testimony service. All the music was fast, I mean really fast. These people would jump up and start dancing, and they were all like popcorn on the griddle, just all over the place, and the little girl with me jumped up and started speaking a language I had no idea on this earth. What she was talking about. I was terrified. And, and, and then somebody else got up and gave an interpretation of what she was saying. Then they all start shouting again. And, and, uh, and, and the preacher took off running around the church and ran out the back door. I said, there's nobody to get us out of here now. <laughs> I said, oh, 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 Lord. Oh, my. But, but here's the thing. When the, when the preacher preached, I never would look at him. I just, I, you know, I just, I knew I was a sinner. I just, I felt unclean as the man was preaching. So he, he's preaching the gospel. I looked at the floor and the wall and the ceiling and I'm all over the place, but I'm listening to everything he says. So we get out of that service. We get in that car and they drive me all the way back to the East side of Cleveland. I walked into that house. I was so just broken, just sad. And, uh, Asked my mom if we had a Bible. She said we have a Bible. I took the Bible, went upstairs, got down on my knees, went back to that verse that he preached on and became a Christian. See? Radical change. And and and, and when I say radical change, I went overboard, folks. I mean I, I became a Christian. I, I got rid of every secular cassette tape that I had. I, I, I didn't even want to see anything it had to do too much with television. That young lady she started discipling me. Church became everything to me. If I could have gone every day of the week, I would have been there. language changed. I mean just just everything about me changed, and so naturally people were asking questions what happened What happened to Daryl? You know, what happened to daryl and, and and I was able to to lead even some friends to Christ. so there, there's change in behavior. Now this isn't always the case, but sometimes. If if people don't ask us what makes us different than them, then maybe we are no different than them. See, there should be something. There's no way I should be able to spend two or three hours with you in one day and not know you're a Christian. It just it shouldn't it shouldn't happen. It just whether you just mention something about what you do on the weekend, going to church or midweek, going out to a Bible study or spending time with your family, however it comes out, it should be uh, something that is readily noticeable. And then here's the last one that I'll give you. Um, just to recap, I've told you that a sermon or some kind of hearing of the gospel is is, is helpful for initiating discussion. Secondly, I said supernatural events in a person's life that will create opportunities. Uh, trouble sometimes initiates discussions. Some of these you don't have any control over. But you take advantage of them as they arise, and then the fourth thing, just changes in somebody's behavior. If you find out somebody became a Christian, then bring it up. Say, hadn't so and so been acting strange lately? I mean, what's wrong with them? You know, and if, and then, and that can that can get it going. Because I had I had a, a Catholic man uh, told me, you no, know, I think he was my boss in in Turkey, and. And he was telling me, as fanatical as I was, he said, "You don't know, had religion all my life, never affected me the way it's affected you." That's the way you tell. He said it's never affected me like it has you, And that was because i had I had offended somebody, so I had to go to him and ask them to forgive me. He couldn't believe I was going to do that. He said, you, "You're a United States Marine. We don't apologize to anybody, so I'm also a Christian, and if you know you've done wrong, you've got to do right. So here's the last one. Uh, be deliberate in creating opportunities for starting these discussions. Now, here's something you do have power and you do have control over. You, you can read the scriptures, pay attention to how Jesus ministered to people in the Gospels, especially the Gospel of John. because John says specifically that was written that you might believe Jesus has. Jesus is the son of God. You pay attention to all the stories where Jesus talked to Nicodemus, the woman of Samaria, and then learn those stories real good. Then when you're witnessing and talking to other people, you can take those same principles, those same teachings, and apply them to other people. Uh, Something else you can do, and and I've done this plenty of times, telling parents this. If if you know your parents, the grandparents aren't serving God, then use your kids to get at the grandparents. You say, "How, how do you do that? You, you this is how you do it you, you tell the little boy the little girl now when you're up there in grandma and grandpa's lap you, you look i want you sometime I want you to look grandma grandpa in the, in the face Now, i want you to say grandpa do you love jesus yeah I'm talking about creating situations and and when and and then you tell the kid now if if, if grandpa says no then you ask why and if grandpa says yes or, how come I, how come i don't see you act like everybody else that loves jesus And if you're there when this conversation starts. Then then as a parent, you you make sure you have some answers to help your kid. Don't worry about helping your your, your parents because they're already going to be turning red and ready to just say floor, open up and let me in. I mean, they're going to want to go anywhere other than where that kid is. But the whole point is you want to start the discussion. You want to create create the dialogue and you have control over that. A lot of. Family members don't like to witness to family members because we've all known each other so long and we all know each other's past. So how you know how do you how in the world do you talk to your sibling about the things of the Lord when all they're gonna do is throw up in your face, well you're this self righteous, this and I remember you before you start serving God. Don't act like you're better than me and that kind of a thing. So when when that comes up, <coughs> you, you can you can disarm them. You know, if if an adult adult child says to their parent, well, what makes you think your religion is the right way and you think Christianity is the only way, you haven't always been good, you've made a lot of bad decisions, just go ahead and disarm them and say, you are absolutely right. I've made a lot of bad decisions. But the difference is I acknowledge them because God has shown them to me and I'm trying to do better now. See, that, that, helps, uh, that helps go a whole a whole uh, long distance in trying to witness the family members. Just going back and forth arguing about who's better, that's, that's not going anywhere. They're not going to listen because they don't they respect the person. But the moment you, you begin to show them that the change that has occurred in your life has affected the way you interact with them, then that's going to be a powerful thing too. Uh, another thing you can do which is very often used, and that is... Invite that preacher to family gatherings. Now, I'm serious. Now, that is if it's a preacher that knows God. You invite the wrong person to the wrong family gathering, I'm telling you, you're going to turn a whole lot of people off to who Jesus is, without a doubt. But I have told family members through the years over and over again, you get me there for some week day gathering or some time when everybody's together and i don't care how mean spirited so and so is i'll end up talking with them because what happens is when you invite a preacher to a family gathering everybody finds out they're a preacher so they expect a preacher to talk about god so i just go ahead and fulfill their expectations yeah and I've had I've had had family members try to prep me and say, well, Pastor, so and so is an atheist and they don't care nothing about God, and, and I'm just sure that that they're going to say stuff that's not going to be nice. I say, don't you worry about that at all. And whenever I get around someone who suddenly, when I get in their presence, they become vulgar and they start saying stuff that's not nice, then I'll just kind of tactfully go out of my way and, and make it known. Well, since you know you. You're going out of your way to say all of these things. You obviously want to talk about God, so let's have a conversation. Let's talk about it. But people, if they have the right witness, they'll talk about it and believe. I've had a lot of family members tell me things as as a pastor that they never even tell their own family members. And Then I've had a lot of family members that are in other states or other parts of Nebraska who then, later on, because of an initial relationship at a family gathering, end up calling me asking for advice and counsel about different things. Relationship is a powerful thing. So, so take advantage of that. When, when you have someone that knows the Lord, uh, get them adult kids in contact with them. Get them grandkids, them nieces and nephews. Get them grandparents involved, because they can then meet someone who genuinely loves God, and they'll understand even more Why you're the way you are. So create circumstances. I'll finish with this. This is how my brothers, my sister and I, how we worked on my dad. My dad was a very hard man. And he had a lot lot of sin in his life. I mean, no more than anybody else, but just the kind of sins that just hardened his heart. But when he was dealing with that cancer, and I, I didn't know how. He was going to respond to me coming home to talk to him about God, but I knew I had to go home and talk to him about God. Some of you remember I was asking for your prayers when I went back that fall to have that dialogue where I was talking with my my siblings beforehand. I said, now, look, I'm only going to be home for X amount of days. I need an opportunity to be alone with him so I can talk with him. And we were going back and forth about who ought to be the one to uh, talk with them, and of course my siblings, they said, look, you're a preacher, you're a professional talker, so you, this so, this is what you ought to do, we, we, we'll we let you handle this. I said, okay. And so I got all the way down to the final day. My folks were there, and I'm sitting in the uh, room, and the doctor's in there, the nurses in there, my dad's roommate is in there, but we've got the curtain pulled, and I'm counting the Counting the minutes down, because I've got to be gone probably in about 45 minutes to get on the road. And so the doctor is talking about the cancer, the surgery that he needs, and all of that. And when the doctor was done explaining all of that, then I I saw my entrance. That doctor turned and walked out. I said, Dad, I said, the doctor has talked to you about your physical condition. I said, I need to talk to you now about your spiritual condition. And I started in and I told him the story about the lady that came to Jesus. And she was just so ashamed of her lifestyle that she just put her face down on Jesus' feet and just bathed his feet with with her tears. I said, she just didn't even feel worthy to look up at him. And I told my dad, I said, though you have committed a whole lot of sins, I said, "You, you should not think that God won't forgive you right now I said and this is the main reason I came home you know I said I'm, I'm very interested in what's going on with your sickness but your soul is more important to me and he he kind of stared off in the distance and he said I I knew this conversation was coming See, trouble see, trouble get people thinking about this stuff and so I continued witnessing to him for about another seven minutes or so and then I said dad no better time than now for you to pray and ask Jesus to come into your heart. He said, Can I do that right here? He said, I, th- I think I need to be in the church and go down the aisle and go down the altar. I said, You don't need to do that, Dad. I said, The altar's right here in this bed where you are right now. And so I, I grabbed Dad's hands and I said, Dad, you repeat after me. And, and, and I just said the little simple phrase, Father, forgive me of my sins. He got through that first sentence and just started crying. And I'd never in my life seen my dad cry. Never seeing that man cry he's in that bed shaking and weeping as he's just repeating after me and then afterwards we just gave each other the biggest hug and he just said oh i feel so clean now See, so much stuff back there in that past just weigh a person down but then when god washes your insides, you feel totally different but you know what we had to create the circumstances See? we had to create the circumstances i could have just said you know what Let's just wait and, and, and see what happens. But no, you, you got. sometimes you got to get involved and create the circumstances when you have opportunities like that. Don't pass them up because I can tell you exactly how you'll feel if something happens and they pass away. You'll wish you had only said something. And it's a lot easier for them to be unhappy with you for a few moments while they're with you than for you to have to wrestle with that for the next several decades because you know I should have said Yeah, I've had that happen too. You know, just oh I wish I would have got to that person. Wow. You know. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we're grateful that your word teaches us so much about how to talk to people about your son and how to initiate these discussions, how to live our life in such a way to be a witness. God, each of us have people that we know and people that are in our families that are not believers. God, when opportunities are presented, we pray that you fill our mouths with wisdom. Give us an understanding heart. Give us the patience that God had towards us. But at the same time, God, help us to manifest that same love that caused you to give your only begotten Son. So, Father, we love you and we thank you and praise you in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen.